you know what I love about this sound is actually you. Everyone in it has got these massive souls. We're looking people, and that's what we care about. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. A little bit of squad rotation again uh, for this week. Uh, I'm Kev, your host as always, and I'm joined by the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe and town fan Dan Barrett Davis is back with us. Dan, welcome along again, mate. Thank you. Hello. Um, We will review the 2-2 draw uh, that Luton picked up on Saturday afternoon against Notts Forest. We'll go through the game, the best bits, the not so good bits, the fun bits, and we'll pick out uh, one or two individuals that, well, definitely need to be spoken about on what was a really, really, really good away uh, away day. So um, before we start, as always, we are at the Hightown Club recording this. There is entertainment going downstairs. So if there is a little bit of background noise, we do apologise. But uh, we've done everything that we can do to get that out of the system, as you might just have heard. Um, but yeah, 2-2 against Knott's Forest on Saturday. Dan, I'll come to you first. You were there. Mm-hmm. Cracking away day yet again. And um, well, it didn't look like being it, to be fair, for 70 odd minutes or so. But come the end of it, I mean, it's just one of those away days that at the end of the season, we'll just think back on just because of the scenes at the end, really. Yeah, and when you look at the last 10 minutes, it's sort of what makes you realise what football's all about. Um, you go through games where you're losing 1-0 and you know there's no hope, or 2-0, 3-0, whatever. Uh, but to come back from 2-0 down, away from home, in the last 10 minutes, and partly down to Forrest shutting up shop, really. Um, but also partly to us not giving up. You know, this team just doesn't give up. And they showed it yesterday. I mean, Ogbeni got us off to a flyer really uh, out of a free kick it really should have been cleared Laurier decided to fall over front of it first and that helped us on and then just added bow and not giving up and shutting a few people up and rightly so um, and and that just you know my head hit the roof <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah I mean the, the first half was pretty they probably edged it I'd say I think we were lucky to go in 0-0 at half time um, and very annoyingly they scored early on in the second half and the longer it went on they scored another I thought, you know we all thought oh, this is dead this is a dead rubber go on to the next one uh, but the substitutions well Edwards absolutely spot on crying out for it and it worked it was bit, it was brilliant the last 10 minutes were brilliant let's forget about the rest of it <laughs> yeah I, um, I, I certainly echo um, much of that James you weren't there but in terms of um, everything about coming back from 2-0 down against a team that we said in the preview podcast that's been obliterated on YouTube of <laughs> precious home fans who were clearly got it all wrong once again. Um, but we said that they're one of the sides that's going to be in this mini league. Where it is in that mini league they're going to be, who knows. But the, So coming back and keeping them in check was one thing. But it's going to mean so much the belief that that last 10-15 minutes gives us we know this team never gives up right it's the DNA of this club it never gives in it's not going to give in if we're going to lose games we're going to lose games because the opposition are better than us not because they want it more or they out out fight us so we knew they'd keep on going but to actually turn that round long term that's going to do wonders than just a solitary point isn't it 
Absolutely. Yeah. Results like that and the way it came about are, and we've seen it in previous seasons, last season, for instance, they're transformative for seasons. They can kickstart them or they can turn things around in the same way that Corley Woodrow's goal against Norwich in Rob Edwards' first home game last season was a catalyst for everything that happened. Now that was obviously to go and get promotion. No, we're, we're talking about transformative in terms of knowing that they can go away to away grounds and be 2-0 down with 15 minutes to go, uh, 25 minutes to go, sorry, and still come back. Um, it's going to be so important for belief, which I don't think was lacking anyway. I'm not saying that at all, but I think it, it, it gives something to Luton to go forward with. And I do believe that Nottingham Forest are in a little little uh, league with Luton. Uh, I did say that they'd probably be towards the top, but that brings them back into it. I mean, the Nottingham Forest fans didn't like that at all, but whatever. They don't like anything. <laughs> they, don't like anything but, um, they like a Christmas song. They sung it twice. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those results, I think, that you can probably look back in the fullness of time. You know, it, it can go it another way, obviously, but we've seen it so many times where these sorts of things, these, um, it felt like a win. Um, and certainly at 76 minutes when I'd, I was watching, <laughs> watching the game and Chris Wood scored two. And I'm like, oh my God, this is, <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to end well. But, um, you know, the, the way they come back, um, it's, it's going to be so important, I think. It wasn't going to end well, was it? But then the Championship Manager of the Year for two... Sorry, no, he wasn't Championship Manager of the Year two seasons ago, was he? Um, Showed exactly why he wasn't Championship Manager of the Year two seasons ago and made a raft of really baffling substitutions, which we're all glad that he did. And Mm. um, the game kind of completely transformed from then. But, I mean, I was a little bit surprised, really, with all the reaction to the preview podcast because you'd have thought we were playing the European Cup version of... Nottingham Forest, judging by some of the comments. Well, we're not. But no, no, we weren't, funnily enough. We were playing a team that were exactly the same as us the season before, won the championship playoffs, struggling like mad to stay in the Premier League and fighting their asses off to do so. All of a sudden, you thought we were playing Billy Big Bollocks in, um, you know, the European Cup final. It was, it was crazy. And maybe that's what kind of filtered in with, you know, these Cooper substitutions because... Every single one he made, and he made five of them. Mm. They all, they, each one of them, made their team worse. And each one of the five that we made, or certainly four of the five we made, made our team better. So, yeah. if you're looking at the at the battle off the pitch as much as the battle on it, I mean, Edwards has outshone Cooper by a million miles in terms of the substitutions. Yeah, yes, and it was interesting to see um, to read beforehand that he he'd leaned on Cooper quite heavily for the playoffs um, during the playoffs uh, run. And, and rightly so, because obviously Cooper's been there and done it. And you look at his record at Forest, and he's he's done really well. He's got a very good record there. This uh, over overhearing a few Forest fans talking on the way home when I eventually got home, um, and a lot of them were saying, "Well, Cooper doesn't often get it wrong, and he doesn't. He's a very very good manager, and he deserves to be in the Premier League because he's he is very very good." But he cocked it up yesterday. You know, he he, he got it wrong. And Edwards certainly did win the battle because we had, I think when, when you look at, we've got two in, former England internationals to bring in, um, you know, Adebayo is certainly feels like he's got a point to prove and many fans would argue he has. And I think they all have really to a point, haven't they? Um, but 
our subs were hungry and they wanted it. And I, th- I think I think from their point of view, you know, you turn it up 15 to go, you sort of think, well, we can probably afford to take the foot off the gas a little bit. Luton haven't looked too threatening and we hadn't really to a point. I don't th- I think we'd had a couple of half chances, but we weren't really in the game in terms of chances created and putting them away. Um, but I think that only just gave us more hunger once they decided, well, we'll shut up shop, come at us. We're like, all right, <laughs> this is what we've got. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, if it goes up, sorry, if it, if it goes on another five minutes, I, th- I think we win the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say like my belief was waning, but it, it was certainly looking more and more and more like it wasn't going to be our day. And then, in particular, he brought Joe Worrell on, didn't he? And you're mm. like, because we've just brought Elijah Adebayo on. Yeah. yeah, and you pinpointed him in the in the preview as well as being. Well, I didn't do no journeyman. research for that preview, so I couldn't have. Only according to the Forest fans, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but all you know, and it was Worrell who. I mean, he swatted him off like a fly for the second goal, didn't he? He was like, get away from me. I don't want you near me. And I mean, we'll come on to the actual goals in a minute because I just want to touch on the first half, actually, where it was very much like Tottenham. 20 minutes, it was like, give us a ball, please. You know, stop shooting at our goal, for Christ's sake. Leave us alone. <laughs> exactly that. You know, it was like, and this time they didn't have a Son Young Min or, you know, Richarlison or James Madison. I mean, Morgan Gibbs-White is... A proper player, you know, yeah. he, he is a proper player. And to be fair to Alfie Doughty, I reckon there ain't going to be many left-backs that keep him as quiet as that this season. I know he was involved in the first goal, but his impact is usually a lot more than what than what he had there. Mm. But much like the Tottenham game, Dan, the longer that first half went on, you kind of thought, well, we've weathered the storm here. We were getting Ogbeni in the game, which again, for the first 20 minutes, we couldn't do much like the Tottenham game. Yeah, But when we did... He had Toffolo. I mean, obviously Toffolo was thinking about his next bet or two, but he was like, he had him, he had him on toast down that side. He picked yeah. a beautiful ball over that Morris and Brown just missed, but uh, I've seen it since. And actually, I think his Murillo gets a touch on it just to take it away from Brown. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we had the Chong volley, which either side of the goalkeeper, and that's in the back of the net as well. Yeah. And he just, you just thought, it's coming, it's coming. And then the last five minutes of the half, I mean, they came on strong again, didn't they? Missed two absolute sitters. Match of the day done, Sangare, a right touch there, not showing that because <laughs> that was the sitter of all sitters that he missed. Yeah. Forget about Elijah and Richarlison against Tottenham. That was that, that was harder to miss than it was to score. And fair play to the boy, he managed it perfectly. But overall in that first half, yet again for the second game in a row, we've weathered a real storm and gone in nil-nil. And that's, again, if you're looking at positives and steps forward, yeah. that's one. I, th- I think so. And, you know, we, we, we've all known that every game is going to be tough. But, you know, let's, let's still not pretend that, you know, we've, we're, we're established Premier League side because we're not yet. Use the word yet. <laughs> but, you know, it's all about, we, we knew against Tottenham they were going to come at us. We sort of, when you're away from home, you sort of know the home team's going to come at you. I still remember Everton, they could have had 150 shots that day, they still wouldn't have scored because uh, they were, they just couldn't shoot. Um, but it is about containing that pressure and then going in at half time and go, right, here's what we do for 20 minutes. We'll hold it for a bit and then we'll start being a bit more positive and direct. Um, and that was, the, I presume that was the plan yesterday. Uh, looking back on it, I'd say it was. Um, and it pulled off. We got a point out of it. We didn't against Spurs and many would argue we perhaps should have done at least got a point in that one. And like I said earlier, you know, if we get another five minutes yesterday, we won the game. 
Um, apart from their offside goal, we didn't really see anything really out of them the last sort of 20 minutes after they scored the second one. I saw nothing out of them. No, once um, once Cooper got involved with his substitutions, they went out like a light. Yeah, really, didn't he, they? he kind of broke it when it didn't need fixing sort of thing. I mean, he, I get why managers do it and Nathan was guilty of that a lot. Um, getting a lead and then trying to hold on to it and I've never really liked that way that approach and Southgate does it a lot in tournaments as well which we're not going to go into <laughs> but um, which is why Edwards is a little bit different like he sort of knows that we've got to contain first a lot of pressure because you, you've got these multi-million pound players coming at you you've got to be smart you've got to get it right at the back and I think I always say that the basis of a good football team is getting your back line sorted and having a good goalkeeper in there, which we have got a good bat line, good solid bat line, very, very good goalkeeper. And you build from the back and then the rest, let the rest sort itself out. And the substitutions were done at the right time. And that's, and that's what made the difference yesterday. If we could just, I mean, if you're being really nitpicky, you could say, well, if we cut out the mistakes that led to their goals, they don't score. But then they had enough chances to finish that they should have finished anyway. So that doesn't really come into it as such because at the end of the day, we've got a point and a very valuable one away from home. So, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just, um, just a shout out to Thomas Kaminsky, actually, because that was mm, yeah. um, a pretty nasty situation that he was involved in on Monday when with the Belgium-Sweden terrorist incident in Brussels. To have mm, to go through oh, yeah. that yeah. and then put yourself forward to come and play football five days later, I mean let's be fair football means absolutely nothing after something like that so yeah. kudos to him for fronting up and, and having a really good game there because yeah I, I mean I'm sure you know mentally he might have been in a, a difficult spot so fair play to Kaminsky for that so James we've got the first half sorted you know we can weather these storms we can hold these teams to nil-nil but these first 10 minutes in the second half are becoming a pain in the ass now switched <laughs> off against Tottenham they scored what was it three or four minutes after the restart and yeah. Forrest have got themselves a I think Rob called it tame goal, didn't he? And it was, you know, straight through the middle again, much like the Burnley one. Okay, it was from our free kick, so we weren't necessarily in the shape that we would normally have been. But that sort of 45 to 55 minute period is becoming a bit of a, you know, the netto goal against Wolves was in that time frame as well, wasn't it? It, it, It's that bit that's catching us out now. Well, it starts both halves as well, if you want to put it that way, really. I mean, they've not been punished you know, Tottenham, Everton, and now Forest, but yeah, it's the, the start there is not what you wanted. But at, at the same time, Edwards acknowledged that you're going to have to like, get a bit lucky there or weather some stuff because that's going to happen. Um, so that's good. But yeah, the, the second half does seem like a bit of a bit of a crutch that they've got to get over, and particularly the first goal was just so soft. They had the numbers as well, and. You know, we've praised them for being a bit, getting savvier. There's somebody got to take a yellow card there in the build-up, yeah. maybe. I mean, you don't like to say it, obviously, but that's sort of levels you're at. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you don't like to say it, and you're absolutely right not to say it, but then you watch match today and you look at the Liverpool-Everton game, and the fella should have taken two yellow cards for taking a bloke out on the halfway line. Of course, it was Liverpool and he only got one yellow card. But, <laughs> um, you know, but they have no problem doing it. And they're second in the table or wherever it is that they are in the table. So we should have no problem doing that where we are in the table. Like you say, there was enough, I think it was Doughty who was the first one that they went past when they just clear him out. You're only going to get a yellow card. I think, I think if you ask most people, they'd rather take a yellow card and a free kick 
concede the free kick rather than concede a goal. I certainly would, unless that player's on a yellow card and then you can't sub him off. And uh, we're not privy to be allowed to make those ch- changes before the player's going to get sent off. Are we? Well, we haven't <laughs> we haven't had a perfectly good goal disallowed, have we? So uh, we haven't got no. we haven't got two months of decisions coming our way. No, but, but, <laughs> particularly where that ball broke and like the doughty one was the moment where they they smelt blood, wasn't it? Mm. The, the, you're around about the edge of the centre circle at that point. The, the danger can still be cut out, but yeah, yeah to. Uh, I mean, the second goal is pure Chris Wood. That's what he does all the time. And I mean, even then, you, that surely they trained for that and just planned for that. But you to have to, to show him down the line yeah. for the cross. You but have the, to. Mm. But the first one, um, to allow him a run in or goal from 25 yards, it's a bit soft, really, because that's not, that's not what Chris, Chris Wood does, is it? No, he did take it very well, though. Yeah, he did. Just, let's not take it away from him. He, he scored two goals and one that was offside, miles offside, by the way. Um, but yeah, no, he took his goals well. He did take that goal well compared to, you know, I mean, he's just missed a couple of sitters in the first half and a couple of headers, actually, ironically, which is Chris Wood, that he put over the crossbar and um, didn't really threaten Kaminsky. But 2 0 down, something's got to happen, hasn't it? I mean, we can all see that something's got to happen. <coughs> Wasn't Chong's day. No. Um, you know, it wasn't Brown's day really, he wasn't getting much joy out of Murillo. And um it wasn't really Pelly's day either, although obviously no. Pelly was you know, Pelly did nothing wrong, but when you're two 0 down it's one defensive player's gotta go, hasn't he? And an, an attacking player's gotta come on. So on comes Andros Townsend for his first game in five million days or whatever the number <laughs> um, was. Uh Ross Barkley comes on, Elijah Adebayo comes on, and instantly it changed, didn't it? Mm. You know, the experience that Townsend and um, Barkley brought, it was Barkley wiped out on the sideline, wasn't it, uh, yeah. for a free kick that Townsend crosses. I'm sure he'll be honest enough to say that that was not one of his best free kicks. Like you alluded to earlier, thankfully, Serge Aurier face-planted it for the second time in that game. <laughs> Ball went over his head, uh, falls to Chio. I'm not convinced got the greatest contact on it, but actually I think the fact that he didn't get the greatest contact on it has put it into the top corner. Whereas if he did it clean, you know what it is, goalkeeper's just there and saving Mm. it. But we asked for a little bit of an improved end product from Chio in the deep dive that we did last week with Helen. Mm. We can't argue with it now, can we? Because, you know, two really good crosses in that game that Brown could have had two goals from and he's got his first Premier League goal and deserved his first Premier League goal as well. Yeah, he did. Um, You know, and it it is all about getting in the right place and not only doing that, but then executing the finish and like you say, he didn't get the best touches on it, but anything will do as long as it's away from the goalie and on target. You know, you just had a very good chance of getting a goal, don't you? Um, On target's the key, isn't it? They just weren't doing that. That's what they weren't doing. Yeah. So however you get it on target, Maybe that's a good thing that they've fluffed it into the top quarter because yeah. sometimes, in previous games, certainly the Tottenham one, there was some great connections, but nowhere near the bloody goal. So, you know, it's one of those ones. Only if, you, if you're a striker struggling for goals, if it goes in off your ass, that's a good start. But mm. however it happens, it, yeah, it's good. Well, it's the same with Adebayo's goal as well. You're probably going to come on to that now, aren't you? Well, I mean, it was kind of a bit, a big part of the game. So, you know, <laughs> probably makes sense for me to come on to that, to be fair. Um, yeah. So, 24 hours later, when VAR finally decided that Ogbeni's not offside and the game restarts, and there's, what is there, six minutes left of the game, and mm. everyone knew there was going to be double that because of the time that it took for VAR to finally decide that um, Ogbeni had scored. And 
we've been big fans of Elijah Adebayo on this podcast, haven't we? Ever since he signed, we had his back in the deep dive when I called out that racism mm. and everything else. I don't think I've ever been more chuffed for a footballer to score a goal, not just because of the situation and everything else, but the fact that it was him that scored it uh, in a long time. You know, he got pelters after... Um, Take the racism out of it. He got pelters for missing that chance against Tottenham. Everyone's going to miss a chance, particularly our strikers who are trying to build their way up to this level. But what he hasn't done, he hasn't shirked it. He faced up straight away with you and he came on the pitch and he made a massive impact. And that goal is as good a goal as you're going to see in the Premier League for in terms of physicality, strength, technique. Absolutely brilliant. As I said earlier, he swatted Worrell off. Get away from me. You're not getting this ball brought it down on his chest and then bang, straight in the corner. And it was just brilliant. It was just a brilliant moment. I'm so delighted. It was, I wouldn't have cared who scored it, but I'm just so delighted it was Eli that scored it. Absolutely. It was pure Eli. That's what that's him all over. That's his best stuff. Uh, that chest to take that down is unbelievable touch in the yeah. tight space that he's under. Because it's a very long ball as well. He's had a long way to watch that from Lockyer. To bring Fighting that down, the defender off at a time as well. well. Shrugs him off and the finish is unerring. And it's like, yeah, it's, you know, stick that up your pipe, racists. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was a good twos up at the people that have been wrong, wrongly abusing him. Um, you know, and, and like you say, you, the, the technique he showed, the timing, which he didn't have a lot of time to do to get the ball under control, under his feet, and then stop, like, trying to steer it into the net without the goalkeeper getting something on it. It takes some doing and he, he executed it perfectly. And I think credit's got to go to the managers there and the coaches because like he, he was pulled out of the starting lineup for a little while, wasn't he? Because it wasn't quite happening for him. And I, I know a little bit about this from, I played up front myself and I was crap. So <laughs> I know about being pulled out of teams and then put back in and you, you score a goal and it makes all the world a difference. But if you're not scoring... Don't do what Peter Taylor did with Tuadi Akinbayi twenty years ago at Leicester, and just keep him in where he just keeps like hitting barn, like can't hit barn doors for for Toffee. Take him out for a couple of games, reintroduce him for 10, 15 minutes or twenty minutes here and there, and work with him, and just keep giving him the belief that yes, okay, I'm pulling you out because we can both see it's not working at the moment. Come out of the side for a couple of Luton games. Luton can do that now. They've got well, the we options, can. haven't got, they? We have got the options. I mean, we're we're not blessed with four Erling Haaland, but. You know, we've we've got we've got options, good, honest, hardworking footballers, and they're not going to be the most. You're not going to get twenty, thirty goals out of every single one of them. That's because that's completely unrealistic and completely ridiculous. But you've got people like Woodrow who will come in and work hard. You've got Brown who will work hard. You know, you've got Morris who always works his socks off. You know, I've never seen a hard, more hardworking centre half at, at Luton for years since Steve Howard really that works his socks off. And and Adebayo who's who's Feels like he has a point to prove. I mean, yes, in terms of Premier League level, yeah, he has. But to Luton fans, no, he ain't got nothing to prove. No, he hasn't. He absolutely not hasn't. really. No, no, no. He he, def- he definitely hasn't. As I say, we're massive fans of Eli on this podcast. Well, what it what it does now as well, because um, yeah, he's got a point to prove, and um, he's been on the subs bench, but he's come off. He's scored twice now, impact player, um, and he's now second top goal scorer, and he yeah. just doing that, yeah. Whereas we're talking about uh, in the previous podcast, um, Brown, that you don't drop him because his work rate is fantastic. Yeah. And there's a decision there to be made now because I'm not saying anything about Brown because he has been performing well, getting in the right places, but he's not getting them. He's not putting them in at the minute. 
And so Adebayo is. And, um, you know, after the week he's had, I mean, that's the main thing is it's the story of it, isn't it? After that week that shouldn't happen to, um, in this modern day and age, but unfortunately the world's full of fucking idiots. So, um, <laughs> Uh, it, it, yeah. it does, but that's the, that's the way you answer your critics, and and to to finish in that way, and and get his rewards as well because he he got the goal against Burnley, and then what's his face goes and sticks a weldie in the top corner and ruins it in sixty four seconds. I mean, it nearly mm. happened again, obviously. Well, but, yeah. um, <laughs> I was going to say I, it was far is, from a weldie, but yeah. <laughs> same, gonna, if there is a criticism of Eli, just do it a little bit closer to full time so that they can't go at the <laughs> other end of bloody score again because I've never ever in my life have I been so glad to see a Lionsman's flag I saw it early enough I was waiting for all of the um, precious ones around us to um, celebrate like they were like they just won the European Cup again sorry lads have a look at the line eh? got the old flag up didn't mm. he? and they didn't even VAR check it that's how upside he was do you know, do you know so. what was great about that as well when you look at the replay and it hasn't been talked about because well, I didn't talk about much on match today to be fair but um well, to be fair, I mean, it was about 1am at the time that they finally got round to... Well, yeah, yeah. It did exactly. seem to take, like, I've, I've no problem with Luton being on last, but it did seem to take forever to get on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I do. When Wolves and Bournemouth are ahead of us, um, come on now, come on, match of the day. Have a look at the league table. But what what um, was great about that is there was a, a very astute little half-step by Lockyer because he saw the line, he saw Wood, and he did mm. a half step backwards to, yes, to, to yeah. make him offside. I think that was very intelligent. If you talk, you know, at the same time, we've got to say, you've got to have a bit more now about the first goal. You've got to give credit for the, for that, because that is very clever. It, it just shows that we've got the intelligence to, okay, yeah, all right, we're making mistakes, but we've got the intelligence to sort of work out where we've gone wrong and go, okay, where what what do I need to do for the rest of it? And a very good centre-half will do that. And yeah. There's Tom Lockyer, and I'm not having that he's not up to the Premier League standard because he is. And it, he appealed, didn't he? So he, he knew yeah, he'd yeah. made that step. That's, was, what, that's what Arsenal did in the 80s. That's, yeah. That was pure George Graham Arsenal. It was 1 0. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Offside, there, was, there, there was no like <laughs> criticising anyone because there could have been because we lost the ball on the edge of our box. He knew it was offside and, and it was crack on. And uh, yeah, brilliant piece of defending. Well done to the Lino as well for flagging it because it was fairly tight, you know. Oh, okay, he was. His side of um, Lockyer, so probably looked a bit more offside maybe than he actually was. But he was offside, that's the main thing. Don't matter if you're offside by your fingernail or a mile. Still <laughs> offside in this um, VAR day and age, isn't it? And, and yeah, good 2-2 draw. Absolute scenes in the away end. Uh-huh. Uh, both when the second goal went in and when the players came over to celebrate. Uh, and they were right to come over to celebrate because, you know... There are many a team, even in this division, there are many a team at 2-0, they were like, oh, well, it's not our day. We'll prepare ourselves for next Sunday. But not this lot. They keep going, they keep fighting, they keep battling. I think Elijah said it in his post-match interview. Why would we give up when the fans are singing and cheering and they're not giving up? We won't We won't give up. And that's exactly, what, um, that's exactly what's going to keep us up this season. No one's going to give up. And, uh, and it was brilliant. Let's come on to some individuals. Mm-hmm. One in particular... I've been waiting so long for this podcast <laughs> to be able to pick up Ross Barkley because this man is special as a footballer, right? And when he came on the pitch, and this is no disrespect to anyone that he replaced or anything like that, he came on the pitch, his chest was out. I belong at this level and I'm going to keep this bloody club at this level. And he was excellent. He carried the ball. He took the ball in dangerous situations. He picked passes that were progressive 
and that opened up the opposition rather than taking the safer and the easier pass back to the defender or something like that. And in 20 minutes, he showed exactly why he's going to be an asset to this football club, whether he claps or whatever he does with his hands at the end of the game or before the game or anything else. On that football pitch, he is going to be superb for this football club. There's no question that he gets it and he wants it as well either because that's where it came from, wasn't it? Because that first performance, first outing he had, he went down the tunnel and people criticising him for not clapping. But he since clapped and he was the only one clapping for a long while (laughs) against Spurs until all the rest of them caught up. And Mm. then um, after that that goal yesterday, you've seen the clip on social media and he is running up to the Luton crowd and egging them on and stuff like that. He, He totally gets it. There's no... Really big bollock stuff about it whatsoever. And um, yeah, it, it, that's what we wanted to see from him, really. If he can start replicating that. And, and now you've probably got to say he's in the equation for starting. Whereas before I was saying, no, he's got work. Yeah. He's way into it. But if you're talking about Adebayo coming and making an impact, then so was he. Yeah, he made a Premier League impact, didn't he? He, he just looked like he belongs at that level. And not all of our midfielders, and again, it's no disrespect to them, they're new to the level, apart from Marv. Not all of our midfielders do, but he just came on and in that 20 minutes he changed the game completely. We were on the front foot, balls were going into the box. There was that delightful one, wasn't there, just as we were going into injury time where there was Barkley, Woodrow, Elijah, Townsend playing short one-touch passes. Mm. It was just, it was beautiful football to watch and, and he instigated most of everything that was good at that last 20 minutes. Well, he did and it was exactly why he was brought onto the field anyway. Uh, you know, go on there, go and affect the game, try and get a result. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when, like, I remember saying in the summer, you know, I, I remember some of the pundits saying that if Luton fans think that Ross Barkley's going to be the difference between you staying up, you need to have a long, hard look at yourself. Well, all right. You know, but he, he was absolutely a difference yesterday. And and he, like you say, he came on, chest pup, I belong, and I'm going to prove it. And I was, I was having this conversation with a friend earlier, um, you know, Five years ago, I probably wouldn't have signed someone like Ross Barkley, not for his lack of football ability, because we all know he's got it, um, but more so his attitude on Billy Big Bollock sort of thing. But I think you saw a very mature, settled Ross Barkley there. And like James said, you know, he, he absolutely gets it. This football club would not sign a player like Ross Barkley or Andros Townsend or any, let's face it, are big names. They played for England. They're not, they're not just any old. Tom Dickerary, you know, they're, they're good established international footballers who've played their whole lives at the top level. We wouldn't sign a player like them if they walked in and, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I want this, I want that, but no, fuck off, off you go. You know, and whether they, I mean, they're at very similar points in their, in their careers with Townsend needs to get his fitness up, needs to play, might be trying to earn a bigger move, who knows, Barkley's probably doing the same because his, work, his move to France didn't work out, his move to Chelsea certainly didn't work out and as long as both parties agree that what's happening, you know, as long as these players are coming to play for the club, it works for both both parties, it'll work. So the second it stops working for Luton, they'll be out and but going back to yesterday, I'm waffling, I know. <laughs> but going back to Barkley, yeah, he was he was absolutely brilliant yesterday. I felt he he, you know, was starting to see what we all thought we'd see at the start. I remember we all spoke about him beforehand, you know, come out completely out of the blue, you know, what Luton doing someone signing someone like him. And, you know, I always said if we can get him fit, and I think we're close to that now, you'll start seeing the Ross Barkley of old. 
but with a mature head. And that's an even better player than the one that was playing for Everton a few years ago. Yeah, Ross Barkley in these games coming up could be the difference between getting something that no one expects and uh, and not doing so. If you, if you are one of these people who's still not completely convinced that Ross Barkley gets us, and I understand that there's a few that would still think it. The club put a bit of his post-match interview out on social media. Track that down because um, once you've watched that, you'll know he gets it. And um, fair play to him. And I can't wait. The thought of a Marv Laconga Barkley midfield three is getting me so excited for what's to come this season. It's untrue. Just hope we can get all three of them in that team from the start at some point. And again, that's absolutely no disrespect to anyone that's here and isn't included in that trio. It's just that that trio has the potential to be pretty special. Another player who has the potential to be pretty special, and Dan alluded to it earlier, came on the pitch and looked like he'd been playing for the last 18 months, not not playing for the last 18 months, Mm -hmm. was Andros Townsend. And I must admit, it surprised me a little bit that he came on on the right-hand side. I thought he would come on on the left-hand side. I'm glad he did come on the right-hand side because it was crying out for Gio to go at Serge Aurier, who apart from face-planting himself twice, did absolutely bog all in that game. <laughs> but Townsend is just... doesn't give the ball away. He's happy to hold on to the ball whilst Issa Kabore is making his run around the outside. He's happy to play the ball into the striker and follow it in and go and get the ball again to play another pass. Again, this is a guy who, if he wasn't sure he'd played for England, you damn well knew about it yesterday because just the simple but effective but good nature of the stuff that he did was really good. As I've alluded to, he's got his first um, assist in a Luton shirt. He'll get better assists, i.e. not quite as scuffed as that cross. I'm not sure that really counts as an assist, but it's been given. (laughs) But just that 20 minutes... You've got to think just logically that that's going to be the worst 20 minutes he plays for Luton because it's his first 20 minutes in however long. That's exciting. It is. And I mean, sometimes the difference with these top players is just they do the very basics very, very well and quickly. Mm. And you saw that there. I mean, you know, when you watch maybe even uh, Legends games, they've still got it technique-wise. They just can't. Mm cope physically anymore and that sort of stuff and he's not that at that stage I'm not saying that but no. I, I just I mentioned it because I saw a, a clip of Ian Rush absolutely rattling a top corner uh, shot in a, on one of these sort of legends five sides things recently and then you think um, you know once you've got it you don't really lose it and there's no question about Andros Townsend whatsoever it's just that he just had a bit of rotten luck with with injuries of late so um yeah, what five hundred eighty-seven days? I think it, he was saying it was the last time before he, since he's played a Premier League game, and you know, I, I, I question whether he would get involved in this game. Uh, I didn't think he would, but by all accounts, you know, I've been spoken to Rob Edwards in the uh, press conference before the game. He kept himself very fit anyway, um, and obviously he was training in the season. Uh, in the summer, sorry, with, with Burnley and it was going to happen apparently until they withdrew it. And um, yeah, hopefully Burnley are looking on and going, well, we've made an absolute howler there because yeah, if he can, if he can do that and obviously increase and improve as he, as he does, as he plays, then it's going to be great. You've got no reason to question that he wouldn't because everybody else in the Luton shirt has developed and progressed in these nine games. Surely he will as well. 
Yeah. Yeah, and he's progressing from a higher standpoint than the rest because he's played at this level so often. I mean, you're guaranteed a good ball in the box. Yep. You're guaranteed a good technique. He's not going to give the ball away very often unless he's trying something extravagant, with, you know, which is necessary. If you're ahead in the game, he can hold the ball. Mm-hmm. If you're behind in the game, he can carry the ball into the danger area. Whether this works out as a long-term starting option or merely what we saw on Saturday, 20 minutes off the bench in whichever circumstance, welcome to Luton Town because he's going to be a massive, massive player. Yeah, and it's exactly what he was born in. Um, on the short-term deal, I'm pretty sure that it, it obviously works for both sides, like I said earlier about the Barkley deal as well. And it'll be the same situation with Townsend. Obviously, not playing for 18 months means signing you is still a massive risk. Um Based on 20 minutes yesterday, it's, it's a risk well taken. But it's all about doing that week in, week out between now and January because if he gets another bad injury, that's, that's lights out, mate. Um, which I, I wouldn't like to see, but that's that's the bigger picture of the whole deal. Um, obviously, if he if he, do, if he gets through that unscathed, and I hope he does, we all hope he does, um, then it's a brilliant deal for us and it's a brilliant deal for him as well because he's still getting to play Premier League football. He's playing in a team that is continuing to progress and wants to keep progressing. And, you know, he looks after himself as well, which is what you need. And he passes on his experience to the younger players and the players that are still trying to build themselves up and maintain a Premier League level. It's a great deal for everyone. Yep. The deal that he signed is very much um, showing that he's desperate to play football. And yeah, uh, yeah. Absolutely, fair play to him. Yeah, as as the first twenty minutes go, really, really good. Uh, Only going to build on that, and I'm excited to see what he can deliver as well. That's it for our review of uh, Notts Forest two Luton two. Um, Nottingham, not Forest. Nottingham, <laughs> not Forest to Luton too. Bloody hell! The, uh, the amount of comments we got about that, unbelievable, you know. precious. Someone uh, shouted uh, for for. Championship fodder Luton, by the way, who are still not in the bottom three. But that's Championship fodder Luton, who are now five unbeaten against the mighty Notts Forest. Um, again. You know, thank God we've only got to play them one more time this season. Um, the amount, yeah. the amount of del- <laughs> Sorry, I have to say, it's the amount of delusion uh, that we saw from their fans saying that Luton were Championship fodder when uh, they've spent 14 straight seasons in the Championship out... Um, and 23 outside the top flight, 23 seasons in total. Um, whereas Luton just spent four and got out of it in the, exactly the same fashion. Yeah. And then before the game, we're on exactly the same points as Forrest were at the same stage last season, but better off because not in the relegation zone. I mean, and we brought 425,913 players less than them in doing so. <laughs> they didn't like that either, but, um, we only yeah, spent we me, spent twenty million on an entire squad where they spent twenty million on a left shoe of someone. So it's fi- it's fine margins. Uh, they've got different ways of doing things, and good luck to them. But I I was thinking about this on the way to the game. I would much rather have only spent twenty twenty million on thirteen players than one hundred thirty million on two hundred fifty thousand players, and just about stay in the league. It's not good business for me, but. Well, it's not. It's not good business, is it? You buy so many players, and Joe Wall will steal your first man off the bench. I mean. <laughs> Come on now. Um, anyway, if you're watching Joe Worrell, you're a quality player. Thanks, Joe. If you're watching Joe Worrell, can you talk your way into starting the reverse fixture? Because um, <laughs> we might have plenty more joy in that, and that might be a big game when it comes along. Um, but that's it for the away version of Notts Forest against Luton. 
Thanks to James. Thanks to Dan for joining me. Thanks to you for watching and listening. Thanks, of course, to the Hightown Club for hosting us, as always. Thanks to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our intro music and to Ed Smith Creative for all of the designs of our podcast that you can see on the set and everything. Uh, if you are not a Trust member, please do consider joining the Trust. The stronger the voice that we can have, the greater reach and the greater power that we can have. And that's really, really important, as David Wilkinson alluded to in that chair that we've not got there right now because there's no, no need for it. But he did sort of suggest that it was important. So, yeah, if you would consider joining the Trust, we do have our AGM coming up as well. So it's a good time to join. Uh, all the details are on our website, www.lutontownsportstrust.com. Until next time, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Come on, you atters.